0: Everybody, it's Michelle Prince with the Power of Authority Spotlight, where we're shining the light on successful entrepreneurs, business leaders, people that are just doing great things in the world and they're leveraging their own authority to make a difference. And the the, the guest that I have today, I've known for a very, very long time. I can't say enough amazing things about her, uh, and I will. Uh, but let me first give you, uh, uh, this episode is brought to you by Performance Publishing Group. Performance Publishing Group provides top quality, comprehensive book publishing services for soon-to-be authors. The Performance Publishing team has helped thousands of people realize their dream of becoming an author. And I do believe you should be next because everyone should write a book. As a partner publisher, Performance Publishing Group can offer you more than just expert guidance. They want to make sure you get the book of your dreams and you reap the rewards. For more information, go to performancepublishinggroup.com. Oh my goodness. I am. Excited for this guest today, um, somebody that I've known for a long time. We've had an opportunity to work together on a couple projects, and she's pretty extraordinary. And her name is Debjani Biswas, and she is an internationally known best-selling author, change agent, and a two-time TEDx speaker. She's the author of Us Too, Bridging the Global Gender Gap, Miserably Successful No More, Power of Stress, and Unleash the Power of Diversity, Multicultural Competence for Business Results. Her background is unique, a female engineer, a trusted advisor of CEOs, and a a former Fortune 500 executive. Dibjani brings a fresh perspective, the value of inclusion for business results. As a diversity and inclusion expert, she is regularly featured in the media on shows like ESPN, CBS, iHeartRadio. She holds a bachelor's in chemical engineering from IIT, an MBA in marketing, and an MS in OD and is a certified executive coach. Her original inclusion frameworks are being used in 23 countries. Currently the CEO of Coachieve LLC, she is the ACT Journalism Award winner and an NAPW Women of the Year. She is sought after international keynote speaker who has powerfully impacted large corporate and conference audiences globally. And on top of all of that, she was recently named the top 10 influential leaders in 2021 and was received the award for Women Helping Women in 2022. Oh my goodness, welcome Johnny.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you, Michelle. It's always such a pleasure. Very kind, kind introduction, thank you.
0: Well, and obviously there's even more to your background that I know about that isn't even on that, um, that bio because you've done so much throughout your life in corporate America, uh, with what you're doing now with your own business. And so let's let's kind of start there. First, talk about what are you doing today to help? I know you're working a lot with executives and in and, and corporate America. And then walk us through how you got there, the backstory.
1: Thank you. So right now, I've got sort of two tracks going. So there's one track, which is corporate, which is inclusive leadership, as in working with CEOs and C-suites in uh, Quarterly strategic planning retreats and offsites, coaching uh, executives, C-suite executives on inclusive leadership. So that's sort of one track, and then the other track, which I sort of came by happenstance. I got laid off ten years ago, and my son, who's just been such an amazing part of this journey, said, "You've been talking about writing a book for the longest time. So what are you waiting for?" And of course, Michelle, that's where you stepped in (laughs) and you helped me and you have helped partner publish, uh, you know, miserably successful no more, and hashtag us to bridging the gender gap. And so there, that's the second track. I did it more as a sort of hobby or something I wanted to do as a female engineer, as an Asian. I've always been different, so I said, let me write about inclusion and equity. And it ended up that maybe the timing was right, or for some reason the message struck a chord. And so now I the other half of my time is doing keynotes on, you know, bridging the gender gap, uh, racial equity, you know, some of the nonprofit work with schools and colleges. Uh, you mentioned the two TEDx talks, which mm-hmm. is crazy. We've crossed a million views each, which sometimes I have to pinch myself. I'm like, I had to get laid off to get into this virtuous cycle and, you know, the domino effect of, you know, my son saying something, a colleague connecting me to you. There's just so many points along the way. I just look back and I am really in disbelief sometimes <laughs> about in the last 10 years.
0: Well, and I feel like that's why you're so inspiring, you know, to go from, well, let's put it this way. You were awfully successful in corporate America, though. I mean, you, you were laid off, you said, but you, you had an incredibly uh, successful run in engineering. But when you were laid off, I mean, for a lot of people, they think that that's it. Like, well, where do I go from here? And so for you to see you go from that, even just the years I've known you, to see you launch and really explode in so many different areas,
1: as a result, it's it's so inspiring. Thank you so much, Michelle. You know, it's funny because somebody made a comment, someone in my family actually made that comment about. You know you could have just sat grumpily you know i was in my 50s at the time and you know just said how could this happen to me or throw your hands in the air um it's probably a strength as well as when it's overused a weakness but i'm like a bulldog i mean i will not give up i'm just <laughs> so, so i was almost annoyed to the point well okay you rejected me well let me show you was a little bit of my and it was not personal. You know, I was an executive at PepsiCo. It was not at all personal. You know, they were flattening the organization, organizations right now, if you look at the thousands and thousands of layoffs, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm doing one of the sessions, I'm in the IIT North Texas board, and in a couple of months, we're actually going to do a session on how do you survive and thrive after a layoff. The fact of the matter is, it's not at all personal, it just feels very personal. And the stubborn side of me said, I can give up or I can pivot. And fortunately, the stubborn side of me won. And so, you know, I just was determined. It was humiliating to be yes. collecting unemployment checks. And, uh, you know, it, going from an executive in a Fortune 50 company and I'm collecting unemployment checks, it was a very dramatic, you know, two ends of a spectrum. Yeah. And I think that was the best lesson I could have learned because I was perhaps becoming arrogant and it taught me much needed humility. I yes. needed that setback. I needed to, you know, not think I'm so great and to come back to reality. And it was so helpful.
0: In the perspective you get on the other end of it, you know, when you were writing Miserable, you would, you already had a book before we met. So you were already out there as a published author. But when we, we started working together, you wrote Miserably Successful No More which to this day is still one of my favorite titles. Um, I I think it's when people ask me, like, give me an example of someone you've worked with that, you know, has done great things. I all I usually give you as an example. Um, But not necessarily just for the reasons of the book. But but that title speaks, I think, to so many people, whether you're in corporate, whether you're um, maybe you're not in. You don't know what you want to do with your life, but you're miserable, right? You're trying, or you're chasing something that you think is going to give you happiness, mm-hmm. and and it's a conscious decision to say no more. Now you may have been laid off, and that maybe nudged you, but you could have gone back. You could have found something yeah. else to make you miserable again.
1: <laughs> ironic that you say that. You're almost prescient because. Just around the time I had committed, I'm going to do my own, you know, consulting firm and you know, founded co-achieve and everything Mm -hmm. else. I got this tremendously exciting and enticing offer to interview for this corporate position, like way beyond anything that I had done in corporate America. And I had to really sort of use a lot of self-control and say, I have chosen this path, I want the independence, there's a particular message I want to share particularly um, bridging the gender gap. I have a message I want to share. And so I'm not going to apply for this very, not that I would have got it, but I'm not even applying, not getting into the interview process. I'm sticking to that course. So you're- So great.
0: Yeah. I yeah. love that. And speaking of messages, so one of the ways, and, and the show's about building you know, building the power of authority and building your platform and all, but one of the ways that you really- carried that message out beyond the book was through TEDx talks. Can you talk about that? Because you've had so much success in that area and I know there's gonna be even more coming. So let's talk about TEDx.
1: Thank you so much, Michelle. So I had come up with this framework, which I call a bridge to sanity, the bridge to inclusion. And that framework, B-R-I-D-G-E, it's an acronym. I love acronyms. So the B-R-I of um, the bridge is building and reinforcing inclusion so that is increasing inclusion the dge of the acronym is destroying the guardrails of exclusion because i suddenly realized that increasing inclusion is not the same as decreasing exclusion it may sound like a yogi bearism but it isn't it's two dynamics and so i was so lucky i just applied in a few places and i was i would say lucky also i worked hard i think women often just attribute everything to luck so yes i was lucky and i worked hard and i managed to get two tedx talks within three weeks of each other and so i was able to do one for the first part bri and the other one for the dg so they sort of dovetailed beautifully and so one of them is tedx cape may which is um common ground on gender bias and that one crossed the million views first and then the second one is um from tedx spring hill college which was but you don't look like an engineer that was the title of it. <laughs> <laughs> because i've been hearing that since you know i finished high school and at 15 in an all-girls convent school and then at 16 i show up in this college and there's me and 39 boys right and all wow. life since the age of 16. People have always said, oh, you don't look like an engineer, as if it's like a great compliment. Right. And my thing is, so what does an engineer look like exactly? You know? Right. It's, it's such a stereotype.
0: It I mean, is such a stereotype. Oh my yeah. gosh. And, and people are thinking you're a you're a woman. So that's what's going through
1: my mind. You don't look like one because you're a woman. Is that yeah. is that why? <laughs> so those are my two TEDx talks. I'm just so excited that they both crossed a million views. My big goal is I want to speak at the big TED conference. So yes. this year in April I'm going to attend uh, TED 2023 in Vancouver as an attendee. I'm going to see what it's all about, but I'm just putting it out there in the universe that one day I want to speak at the big TED. Conference. Well,
0: I am believing you're going to get that because here's the thing. Why what's the big deal about TED? Well, it's just giving you the opportunity to share something with more people and this is a topic that people first of all, need to hear about, but have you noticed over the last several years, there is such a, the, the, we're more attuned to what needs to be done. Yes. And there's with, I, I'm seeing this in corporate, you know, cause I still do some leadership coaching there too. And there's such a um, recognition of what should have been recognized a long time ago in, in just in the last several years. And I think of you every time. And I think about your um, the The business card book that you have, you know, yes, bridges yes. too, because that is exactly what um, it's just such a relevant topic now. So putting that back to the TEDx, that is why you need to be on the big TEDx stage.
1: Oh, thank you. I hope to be. May your words come true. May I be on the big TED stage? Um, I think part of it. Yes. Part of it is I wanted because, you know, it's sort of one of the high achievement and goals for me but it's actually more than that. I really would like the message to spread, a million is mind boggling for me, but a big Ted speech means that probably it could be five or 10 or 50 million. And the fact of the matter is a lot of times, a lot of this starts early in life. And so some of these messages have to do with the unconscious messaging we're giving our little girls and little boys about staying in gender stereotypes. And I haven't even mentioned the LGBTQIA Mm -hmm. spectrum, I mean, there's just so much norming around this whole area that I—that that is really the driving passion behind uh, really a lot of people getting that myth.
0: Yes. Well, and think about all the people that do hear you and listen to you on a TEDx or see you on a TEDx talk will then be able to get your books that they wouldn't have necessarily known about. Right. And, and in those books, there's so much great information. In fact, let's just talk about all three of those, uh, all the books that you have, um, all of which can be found on Amazon. Um, But why don't you take us from the first to the last?
1: Certainly. So what happened was the first book is called Unleash the Power of Diversity, as you mentioned, Multicultural Competence for Business Results. So when I got laid off, I was thinking about what I would write about. And the thing that struck me was that I've just always been so different. So I wanted to talk about that. And uh, for 20 years before that, every time I used to go to visit Greece or go someplace in Asia and something unusual or different happened, I would email myself. And I would give this as advice to future authors, because by the time I started writing the first book, I had literally hundreds of emails sent to myself. You know, I went to Greece and everyone is called Jorge. So it was Jorge the grape and Jorge the olive. Jorge the grape ran the vineyard, Jorge the olive ran the olive, you know, it was just so amazing, and it was just all these little intriguing different pieces of information, I went to Meteora, you know, which is these amazing cliffs where, you know, James Bond movies were shot, and you still sit in this wooden pulley structure, and they pull you up with ropes, and and So every time I had these amazing experiences, I was emailing myself about whether being different works for you or being different works against you. So Mm. by the time I reached my first book, thought about it, I had so much, so many materials, pages of materials to draw upon. So if anyone wants to write a book, i will suggest just start, make it simple, whether it's a Word document or an email to you or whatever it is. Because we tend to forget hmm. the nuances which make for a good book. So that was That's the first. great one. advice, yeah. Then the second one was, I had this epiphany and that was when you and I started partnering, Michelle, uh, when I realized that I had been an executive at a Fortune 50 company and on paper I should really have had it all, but I had been miserably successful and I mm-hmm. had not realized it. And I had lived a very stressful life and so that's why the tagline is miserably successful no more, power over stress. Mm. And so in that piece of it, what I was trying to do is go through and I interviewed so many people who are experiencing high levels of stress, mostly successful people. And within that, I came through this acronym of STRESS and the things that one can do to recalibrate and make one's life less stressful. It's ironic because I've sort of made myself a little miserably successful, saying yes to a bunch of keynotes and this and that. (laughs) And ironically, and then I thought to myself, okay, proof of the pudding. I actually went back and read some of the, you know, miserably successes here. I actually read some of the chapters on the stress checklist. I actually went back and saw where I had fallen down in my own path and sort of picked myself up. So that was fun. And then the third one was hashtag 2 as you mentioned, a mini book. I did not think that hashtag 2 bridging the global gender gap was going to, it was just an interesting thing about gender inclusion mm-hmm. and the big gap. And I have got not just the two TEDx talks we mentioned, but the number of keynotes, not just International Women's Day, but I mean, it's remarkable how far that mini book has taken. So oh, yeah. there you have it. And the... Interesting thing, Michelle, is that the Audible versions of all these books, which is on Audible's part of all these things, it seems like there's this movement. I'm still very old fashioned and like to touch the pages of books and, you know, mark things. But the ebooks and all that and the Audible's, but Audible's seem to have taken off during COVID. So, again, that's an aha lesson for me.
0: Without a doubt, without a doubt, that's the way to go. And all of these books, by the way, go to Amazon and just, you could even just search by Johnny's name. It's D-E-B-J-A-N-I and then Biswas, which is B-I-S-W-A-S. Get her books. I promise you won't be disappointed. And one last thing, I, it's amazing how fast this show goes. So, well, a couple more things. So thinking about people that are listening, mm-hmm. particularly women, and mm-hmm. you and I have always related to each other because I think we've always been driven women as well. And and again, that miserably successful no more just always resonated with me and my corporate days. But thinking about somebody that is um, in their 20s, they're just getting started. They're just really thinking about their career and they have all these big dreams and affirmations mm-hmm. And and they may have the potential to end up miserably successful as well. <laughs> what mm-hmm. advice would you give to them?
1: So I think it would be two things. And the first one is, and this is advice for women as well as for men, is that find out exactly who you are, and don't let conventional people tell you that that's wrong. So -hmm. what I mean by that is that, um, you know, I grew up in a fairly extrovert, boisterous family, strong-minded, I'm the youngest of four girls, and you know, I've always had a hearty, loud laugh, and I show my teeth when I smile and I do that. And along the way, you know, part of it may be cultural or other factors, but I kept hearing, you know, don't laugh so loud. And, you know, you should sort of burst your lips and smile mm, like this yeah. and <laughs> And the fact is, I became a shadow of myself for a while, and also by nature being a bit of a people pleaser. And so I think I've really come into my own when my my give a damn has completely broken now. And I'm just, you know, just uh, if I feel like laughing loudly or whatever, and it's just a trivial example. But the fact is, this is who I am. What's and all, embrace who you are. Because um, I think that we hold ourselves back a lot with what people will say and think. And so that would be the first thing. And I think the second thing, and this one is specific for women, Um, Shauna, our common friend, you know, who we we both love so much, she had told me about this book, which is Women Don't Ask. Mm -hmm. And it has been eye opening for me that right now, even, even a simple thing like a keynote or facilitation or whatever it is, once I looked at the concepts of some of these things about women don't ask, we are terrible and slippery slope of generalization. I'm sure there are some women who are fantastic negotiators, but by and large, I have not ever asked for raises. I have never asked, even with coaching, you know, I started at one rate for years, I was continuing, and I have got this amazing advice from people, mm-hmm. ask for more, and I suddenly decided, you know, to put it to the test, you know, at one moment in time, uh, you know, not very long ago, and you would be surprised, 30, 41, k 67% more than what I was getting. I just asked and it was, I immediately got it. And so I'm just saying, ask, ask. you know, get help in negotiation, understand, understand what it is that's holding you back. You're mm-hmm. not coming across as a used car salesman. If you believe you're worth something and you ask for it, that's the key. Believe you're worth something and then ask, coach yourself, have a friend coach you. It's really powerful when a person coaches your new you coach them, you know, you mm-hmm. can add for each other. But don't be, don't hold yourself back because you don't believe you're sort of lucky to have a job, lucky to be get paid a salary. Mm. Believe you're worth it and ask. That would be my specific piece of advice.
0: That is incredible advice. And it's so true. I've always said that people will believe in you to the exact degree you believe in yourself. So if you don't think you're worthy of more money, then nobody else is going to think it. But if you put that number out there or whatever it is, and you believe it, that you're worth it, other people will be like, Okay. Well, yeah, I guess so. Yes. so I, <laughs> and if they don't, they're not the right people. That's right? exactly right. I love that. Well, I know you have so many great things in 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 the future for you. Um, I know we talked about this before the show, but can we just let's put one more thing out there uh, as we did with the TEDx talk? What's one more? If you could set a dream or a goal for the next year, couple of years, what's one more? bucket list item you want to cross off when it comes to your career.
1: This is very personal. It's also pretty random. It's not really linked to what we've said. So early in my life, I was fortunate enough to get admission into Harvard twice. Uh, Once for my MBA that was admission. And once it was actually a named fellowship with uh, it was a full scholarship actually, uh, for my PhD in Harvard and in the School of Business and for both reasons, for for personal reasons, which I do not regret at all, um, I uh, unfortunately regretfully had to decline. And I crushed my late father's heart when I declined both times. I mean, he said they probably had a heart attack. No one says no to Harvard, not once, but twice. And so um, I would like to speak at Harvard at some point. I have no idea in what form, whether it's speaking to a student's association or their school of gender studies or whether it's a speech or a keynote or considering, but I do want to come full circle, you know, just for my late father's sake. Mm-hmm. I'd like to speak at Harvard.
0: Okay. So anyone listening with connections, <laughs> I'll tell you, we're all just a person or two away from where we all want to be in this world. So I love that. And going back to you have a message that can help people at Harvard, in the US, in another country. So why why wouldn't we help you get that message out? So Thank Thank you for sharing that. I know it was personal, but. Thank you for
1: asking that. You know, usually when we do these interviews, it's all very professional, but that's the unique thing about you is that you actually, you get to the root of even this thing. I have never verbalized this on this kind of a format in my whole life. I mean, this (laughs) happened you know, early career in my twenties and I have never verbalized this in an interview, podcast, TV, any of these things. So there you have it.
0: I love it. Well, maybe maybe we're just going to believe it's going to happen. So, oh, well, I just thank you so much for being on the show. Like I said, when we started, I I am so um, it's been such a journey with you and an honor to be a part of a small, small piece of it. But just to see you grow into everything you're doing is so awesome. And just keep inspiring these uh, women and companies. And I'll bring you back on when you're ready to write your next book. How's that? That's a deal. Thank you so much.
1: (laughs) I want to end by thanking you so much for all that you've done. It's not a small bit of it. You have really helped me professionally and also as a very fine human being with a lot of integrity. So thank you very much. I so appreciate you.
0: Thank you. I so appreciate that. (laughs) All right, everybody, that is it for the Power of Authority Spotlight. Be sure to go to Amazon, get Debjani's books. You're going to love them. And for those of you listening with connections to TEDx or Harvard, reach out to Debjani. (laughs) I know she's on LinkedIn. All right, we'll see you all next time. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. much for listening to the power of authority spotlight if you are a successful founder entrepreneur business owner or leader that's getting results and making a difference and you'd like to be on this program please visit performancepublishinggroup.com forward slash podcast to apply that's performancepublishinggroup.com forward slash podcast Also, if you got something out of this interview, please share this episode. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag, the power of authority spotlight. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. So make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our websites, performancepublishinggroup.com or michelleprince.com and follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.